0: Hi everybody and welcome to Dublin Tech Talks uh, in association with Icon Accounting. Uh, we continue our product talks. Um, today. On today's show, we have Glenn Holmes, who's Senior Project Manager in Workday. Uh, we'll be talking about what product means to Glenn, how he got into it, um, where he sees the future within product and, and, and best practices within a product environment. Um, hope you enjoy. Hi, Glenn, and welcome to Dublin Tech Talks.
1: Hi, you doing, Gavin. How are you? Uh,
0: it's great to see you again. Um, yeah, you do you want to kick off the show by giving people a bit of a background about who you are, where you've come from, what do you do?
1: Uh, sure, yeah. Um, so um, that's Glenn Holmes, is my name. I uh, uh, work in product management in Workday. So I'm sure uh, a lot of people uh, take me in the Dublin area and Dublin Tech Talks. So we'll be aware of Workday. We're, uh, for those who aren't, we're a HR, finance, planning student learning software company in the cloud we're based out of um just outside of uh, the bay area so in a place called pleasanton in um california and we've our european or EMEA headquarters in smithfield in dublin and, uh, nice building there beside the distillery and obviously we're not in there at the moment and uh yeah i've been working there for about f- uh four and a half years now um, i work in um the, the integrations area so i'm a product manager for Uh, tooling for integration so building integrations between workday and third-party systems so it's kind of a it's kind of a mix of technical and 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 um, abound uh, product management Uh, prior to that I worked in um, I worked in sales methodology software a company called Taz, which turned to Altify which is now Upland and I worked previously in life insurance software um, and reinsurance I've worked in CRM software and in a previous life I was actually a developer so I developed them um, I was a contractor i kind of run my own teams and had um, a long contract with various financial um, institutions in 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 dublin um kind of ended with a great financial crash which i say none of my systems were <laughs> responsible for not directly responsible for it, gavin I, I hope but um yeah so kind of i've been working in product management probably since around that time so i was probably like like most product managers gavin i was probably doing product manager before i realized i was i was a product manager or that was what it was called and um, doing it very 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 um kind of haphazardly um, and it's been great over the last i think 10, uh, 12 years since I've been a product manager that the discipline has become, it's become more disciplined and yeah. uh, practice of product management. So, so so, that that's a good thing. So yeah, kind of um, probably a standard enough career in product management, but um, but I've, I've been exposed to a few different types of industries, I suppose, which is different types of product management functions, which has been uh, interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I, the, the more I talk to people in senior product roles or, or people as they come through, they, the, the journey seems to nearly dictate where you know where where you end up and then, like it's it's a it, there's nobody comes out of college well they might now i know there's one or two mm-hmm. courses but saying you know what i'm going to be a product manager um and, and it seems to be the the learnings along the way that really sets the kind of thought process into what product what good product looks like or or, or what a good product manager is going to be
1: yeah yeah and that's interesting because um, there are uh, courses you know and, and i've guest lectured on the on the product management um, diploma in product management the postgraduate diploma that's from in in well it used to be DIT it's TUD now um
0: i went to DIT i call it a university now as well so yeah very- yeah yeah
1: so um yeah I, and and that's fantastic it's a fantastic course and it's great to see it's one of the few in the world you know, um, particularly when I talk to my American colleagues, they're always very interested. In that. Like, oh god, you've got that over over in Dublin. Um, so yeah, it's it's what what they call the accidental profession. I think someone kind it. Um, product management. It's like most people fall into it. It's it wasn't the kind of like you know I, I want to grow up to be a product manager. But um, but that's changing more. I see more and more um kind of graduates being interested in the role and 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 um. Which is which is a great thing. But I suppose I think mean, traditionally it was always one of those roles that um you know you had to have the battle scars, you know, you had to kind of you've had to have made all the mistakes to understand. And and to an extent, I think, yes, if you're at a senior level in product management, that, that's that still carries, you know. But 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 it definitely like, I mean, even in, in, in workday, we've a lot of associate product management roles where we've graduates come in and you know, a lot of them are very successful and um, product managers, product owners. So um you know, probably for a long time, the, the the kind of product management itself didn't do a good job of of of, of probably product managing. It, the, the, yeah. it it's itself it's, it's so product management product management. If you know what I mean, so we weren't good at communicating. Like I suppose, value what it is. It seemed to be a dark art uh, unless you were in an organisation that really had a product management function or emphasis. So um, that's changing now, thankfully. You know.
0: Yeah, it's something that I saw evolve probably back in 15 when people started talking about products and, and start suddenly people who are project managers became product managers. Mm-hmm. And if you had asked them what they were doing, they were saying, yeah, I work in a product house now. So I'm you know, a product manager, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it has over the last couple of years really solidified into, you know, a senior, very important role for businesses that are focused on delivering customer centric products. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you look for in a, in a product manager, or in a you know, when building a team, and you want to get a good product manager into into the team, you know, is there a certain criteria you think about in your mind? Is it a a mindset? Is it a skill set? What what type of way is it?
1: Um, yeah, it's a good question. Like, and you know, and there, there's always kind of stock answers for these, right? There's always kind of like you I don't know,
0: like you stock to, answers.
1: Yeah, you, know, you have to have like you know <laughs> uh, curiosity, and um, you have that. But I mean, I would say. If you're going to hire anybody in any role, they should have a curiosity, right? So <laughs> it's not, I don't think. Don't it has to be product management um, specific. Um, I think. I think one of the, one of the one of the, the, the real um, I suppose difficulties I see with people transitioning, particularly maybe from a tech development role into product management, or, or you know maybe even a project role. Um, or I mean, think. I think generally, with the human nature is that we we're very solution focused uh, as, as, as as a species, right? And that's great because it's probably why we're here today is that we kind of figure out things and and we listen to reply, though mainly we don't listen to understand. So if anybody's, read, you know, famous book is um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. It's the systems one thinking and systems two thinking. And we're very, very good at the I think systems one thinking. So we're very good at responding and if you are replying and coming up with solution. And if you've been a developer and engineer, your focus is always with solution, solution. And I think we there's a severe lack of kind of that first principle thinking of actually going and understanding the problem space. And, and this is an answer for everyone if you understand the problem, understand the problem, understand the problem. But it, but everyone will say this, you know, that you know that's what you that's what you really need. But I probably still see a lack of a not lack, certainly a a a a a, a a tendency to, to resolve and it's just again human nature to veer towards coming up with solutions as opposed to really really defining the the, the the problem space and understanding um exactly what you're trying to solve and i think that's that's the fundamental thing i mean most of the other things like you know you've got to be a good communicator you've got to be be you know and um, you know people talk about empathy people talk about um you know like i would say like you know you've got to understand biases there's certain there's like it's kind of like social anthropology that's what product management really is you know and it is it's understanding kind of your uh, customers anxieties you know the market demands and um, you know where value can be delivered i, I kind of say where the architects a competitive advantage that's kind of my definition of, of a product manager you know that's what we really need to do and that competitive advantage manifests in just delivering ultimate value to people but ultimate value is solving the right problems yeah and that's you know and, and that's again, That's you know, read any product manager blog, tell you about problem definition, problem definition, but I still think we're we're, what that really means is 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 more grey, you know.
0: I I think that's an I I that's a saying I've heard for the last few years. The the problem I always ask that question when I'm talking to businesses starting starting up, or you know, if I'm talking to founders, you know, what problem are you were you were you solving and how did that come about? But that that you know, we were never okay. I'm gonna blanket saying we're, we're never really taught like that in school or in education no. to think of the problem um, and we're always apart from maths and solve solve for x and show me your show me your solution yeah. never it was never ingrained into us that there's a problem to solve go solve it to come back with your understanding even even, is, math,
1: even mathematics right solve for x why why do we solve not i mean solve for x or y but why uh why why are we solving for X, right? And I'm not you're not gonna ask that leaving certain match, right? You're probably not gonna do well if you if you handed back your exam paper going, you know, I understand I found you why. solve, solve <laughs> uh this theorem, but really why do you amount of design, you know but 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 that's the that's the thing. Um you know, um we get we 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 tend to like one of the one of, I, I so as I kind of moonlight as a and I kind of I do moonlight as a as a as a lecturer so I lecture in National College of Ireland in a, in um, the higher diploma in data analytics and my module is, is um, very much like a product manager module it's business analysis and communications and one of the one of the the part of one of the kind of core competencies we look at um, to be to you know to understand problems is communication. And I always ask one of the questions I ask in the module uh, any, any students now they'll get the right answer, any future students, but I ask them kind of what ways the, did you communicate today? Okay, and they'll tell me like you know, all the mediums they WhatsApp, they text, they talked, they you know, had a phone conversation, and very, very few people ever say, I listened. Mm. You know, they don't. It's just not rated as a part of communication. I, I listened today, and that's kind of um, that's kind of where, we're, where where our problems, I think, lie. Um, I do an active le- listening um challenge with the, with the students, and I give them I give them an extract from a newspaper, and it's 152 words. It takes less than 60 seconds to read. It's just a small extract, mm. and I ask for questions on it, and no one ever gets questions right. Because it's it's a just it's an exercise in bias. It's an exercise in 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 you know how we frame things and how we, you know, basically our bias. And and I think that that kind of manifests itself. And when we're trying to solve problems, we no matter what we we see thing we see we come up with a solution very quickly. And even if we try to park that to the side, if we think it's good, we'll we'll always try to. So we talk about hypothesis in 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 product management you know forming a hypothesis and experimenting and trying and, and really good product companies do that and do that really well but a lot of product pro, pro, and like i mean i I have, a, I have biases too we all do we all have yeah. unconscious and conscious biases right um and it's very hard to eradicate them um so ultimately i think you know we need to we need to listen a little bit more we need to t- step back and not jump into making decisions and solutions we need to let the data let the research kind of tell us the direction where we're going um i think that's 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 really ultimately where we need to get it from 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 that kind of perspective on you know again un- uncovering the problem through listening
0: yeah and it's there's two things there i'll pick up on one is the the, the listening the active listening it's it's mm-hmm. until you're shown what active listening is you, you don't understand it so i did a, a one of the imi courses the leadership course mm-hmm. in the imi and there's a whole half day spent on active listening and i remember seeing it going what why would you have an active listening half day <laughs> like we, we all listen and it's it's probably the biggest downflow we all have we all have our point that we want to get across so mm-hmm. Glen, yeah whatever you've said for 10 minutes i'm going to tell you this yeah. and you're like no well, you haven't listened to anything i've said yeah. So, yes, like that is such a big problem. And at leadership level, especially where you go in with even your bias or your predetermined outcomes, mm-hmm. you know, you want to get your point across because you've been thinking about this point, irrespective of what you've told me, I'm going to tell you this point. And I just thought that was one of the, it, you know, it was one of those kind of drop moments in my mind. Going, I do that all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm ready to tell you how I feel, even though that's not what we're talking about. So, 100%. Yeah, so I think companies need to, you know, for talking about how to make people better, it's active listening all the way in my mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is. It is a, it, and I've seen very few kind of, and all the organizations I've been in, very few kind of even internal training courses or activities on really training people to actively listen. Um, it's interesting, actually. It's a good point, like, you know, because it is, it is. And it's something that I, I see with my students, it becomes a real kind of, you know, eureka moment you might yeah. say because you can see that kind of in them and kind of go oh yeah okay and it's kind of there's almost an embarrassment yeah. of how bad they were at listening to something so simple um but um i'm like I, i'm i'm exactly the same as the next person. It's not that i'm so active listening genius or anything like that and um, but i you you do try to get better you know you, you can get better by being aware say of, of, of what of your biases you know
0: it was just simple techniques i picked up about like being in the room rather than being sorry, listening to the room and being involved rather than just being in the room. Mm. Um, that type of stuff, I just didn't like, I'm a f- devil forbid on my phone, like I really am. And, you know, leaving that outside the room and con- turning off your laptop in meetings, that kind of mm. stuff where you're actually involved and not just passive, that type of stuff, simple things you can do um, yeah. and asking a question and actually listening to what they're saying and not going, you have four minutes of my time actually have 30 seconds and then i'm gone things like that were, were massive changes yeah there's,
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of um techniques around like you know how to you know be be more in the present and stuff like that but even even when we're in the present even when we our phones aside and we're sitting there and we're giving our full attention to somebody else if somebody is 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 making a statement or you know a pining on on something the minute you hear something generally that you disagree with, that's what's in your mind. That's what you want to reply to that statement. And it doesn't matter what the next five minutes or four minutes of discourse is or, or monologue is. That's what you're going to focus on. And that's not, act, that's the problem. with That's not actively listening. And um, Like there's techniques of, you know, you, you've probably done the IMI course where, you know, if there's something somebody says you might disagree with, you write it down quickly and you continue giving people your attention and you come back to that at the end. And sometimes what you found is that the thing you've, you've originally written and disagreed, with, Somebody has kind of either convinced you subsequently that actually it's right in in the rest of their of their um, monologue or whatever it was, and um, or in the rest of the discourse you've been you've been convinced, or else um, you know they've, they've explained it well, or you know they've kind of clarified what they're what they, what they, what they mean by it. So that's what I mean. by you, you give people the time to to finish and you actively listen to the entire mm. um you know as a discourse than rather than just boxing and i think because we do it like the minute somebody says something you disagree with like oh, that, that's wrong that's wrong you know you're kind of you're itching to kind of I, I blame twitter for that. that that's what i blame yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well well we, i think humans were around before twitter so um, maybe not twitter one, is just one a, line arguments words yeah <laughs> um the other thing, d-
0: data-led is, is, I wrote down because I was already ahead of you. Uh, da- data-led product design, um, it's its not something new, but it's something I'm hearing a lot more of where mm-hmm. product owner, product, head of products, senior products are saying, you know, we need better data, we need data-led decisions. Mm-hmm. Is that more common now or is it just something that has been always there but people are talking about it
1: um you see i think it's, it's a good question right because people like the oh, it's really popular and everyone should be doing it and was it always there i think really i know from like the time when i started product management you know product management really if you think about it, it's about research right and and like <laughs> I love the way like we call it, you know, hypothesis and we talk and like if you're an actual researcher and scientist, you would laugh at product management. Because we don't do. We're not rigorous. Like, you know, no matter how much data we use and, and use hypothesis, like, you know, scientists would like be shaking their heads going, oh, my God, you have no idea when you talk about hypothesis. <laughs> but anyway, but I, I, I'll digress slightly. But but, um, you know, you would have always used if you're doing any research, proper product management, you use data, you'd use data either to inform decisions, you use data to back up maybe some. I like a a hypothesis that you have. So, when it's not, it's not an, it shouldn't be a new thing. But I think with the rise of product management, it's become so relevant, right? Because previously, what you had is you had founder CEOs, you had maybe senior people in the organization, and they thought they were representative of their market. So, they come in with an opinion and it was opinion based products. So, it was like, I know that the market wants, you know, an analytics product, but that's what we're building. And you know you go well. You're the you're the boss. Yeah, let's build it. And I think um, with the with the rise or kind of the importance or you know the the emphasis on product management approaches now, product management is brought in to said, well like you know where's where's the evidence behind this? Okay, so we need to be, you know, we need to have the data be you know available in order to make um the right decisions and to be able to deliver value and to understand that we're doing the right thing, um. I think where we've gone though, we've we've probably, and it's become so simple. We've become like, you know, very, very, very data driven. Yeah. And that's really good, data is excellent. But like, when you say data, there's been a massive, massive move towards the quantitative side of of data. So data is more than just, you know, what the machines spit out, okay? So there's massive amounts of quantitative data. And I got a great quote, I remember a couple of years ago, and it's by, I was actually doing a talk with the, uh, he owns, Um, I can't what's his name, an Italian guy, he's, uh, he owns Balsamic, so you know Balsamic, the word framing, and uh, he's, a, he's a character, and he said, you can't have a conversation with data, you know, and I thought that that's, that's that's a really good quote, and he says, you need to have qualitative um, conversations, you need to be able to, to, you know, understand, because you, you do get customers' anxieties, you do understand their needs more, from discussions. So the data is fantastic for informing you and getting patterns. It's great for looking at, you know, um, you know what we should always have is for every product, you know, having your success metrics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how do we evaluate that what we've done, our product or feature or whatever we've done um, is successful? And data is brilliant, obviously, for, you know, it's very much tells you, you know, outcome driven of, you know, yes, we have this adoption, yes, we have this engagement. No, we don't. Here are some problems. Here's some usage. Here's what people are using. Here's what people aren't. So you've got a lot of analytics around that. But I think we need to be very careful of going too far in the qualitative approach and we need to augment our qualitative um, data research with our quantitative um, data because that is data too, right? Mm. Um, and how you do it if it's if it's like you know you do your surveys if you do your workshops if you whatever whatever way you, you kind of obtain that quantitative data you or qualitative data I should say you should um you should augment that with your quants so um it's not it's not it's not a new thing to to answer quite like you know it's just it's just become more emphasized over the last number of years and, and you know data is data can be hard to get as well like particularly uh, good like qualitative data you know it can be hard to get um, and would that come
0: back to companies not wanting to listen to what their customers say in essence or are they is it you know that's great that's a you know it takes too much of a of a pool to get a an unbiased understanding of what your what the product is doing or is it just easier to download drop rates or download spend where like button rates and stuff
1: Listen, let's, 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 it depends right on the kind of type of organization you are as well, right? If you're, if you're like, you know, a work day an Amazon and you've got millions and millions of customers, that level of quantitative data is, is just fantastically valuable, right? You're getting all sorts of insights into that. And obviously doing qualitative research is, takes time, right? So you got to interview lots of people, you got to talk, that takes time. Whereas I can get a dashboard up and I can see all sorts of patterns from it. That's brilliant. So, that's that's one thing. That's kind of where people go. Well, you know, I can talk, go out, and spend some time doing my research. And what I prefer, me to, like my product managers, I want my product managers to be writing requirements and running the team. You know, that's that's one part of product management. It's not uh, all parts of product management. And um, so you can have that, and then you kind of got the other end is that like you know, we listen to customers. A lot of I wouldn't say a lot of companies don't listen to because We listen to customers, but that in itself isn't always the, the. When I say listen to customers, um, it's like you know being driven by customer or very yeah. small sample size of customers, um, that's obviously a very dangerous thing. Because you've got to listen to the market and not just listen to customers, you know, um. So, um, I, I I don't think I think I think a lot of a lot of traditional and 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 I I, I definitely we're moving away from this has been kind of you know we, the representative heuristic. It's it's that people in senior positions think that they represent people who use their software they understand the problems you know and we talk about empathy they, they think they've empathy or they they, they like to they, they've empathy with people and then they go Look, so we're building this and you know a product management is obviously the anthesis of that right that's that's where it's coming in but yet yeah, lots of product organizations and I, I i know for i know i've talked to some product managers who say i'm still working in an environment like that i'm, yeah. I'm a product manager we've product management but that's and they you know they hate it and they don't want to do it but you know they they eventually move on to, to work in better places but um but i think um i think i think like yeah it depends like i mean if you've got lots of data you will use data but there's there's a there's a there's a great uh, phrase i've read recently i can't remember i can't recall it, it says uh, like you know product managers use data like a drunk uses a lamppost to lean on rather than for illumination <laughs> you know and i think that 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 that's quite good you know because yeah. it's like oh i've got i've got all the data the data's you know i've got yeah. all this data and so i don't need to do anything you know don't need to talk, I don't need to kind of validate it. I don't need to, you know, I just I've got it, it, it's telling me patterns, let's do it. So um it's interesting, you know, it, it's a balance, like everything, you know.
0: And is is that the kind of evolution you've you've seen um say over the last few years where good product managers or good product environments don't just sit on the data, they 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 listen like they they don't become, and I'll probably get shot by saying this, like de facto project managers for teams where they can put their hands up and say, that's only a third of my job. The other two thirds of the job is as important, or if not more. Is that is that kind of, have you seen that more? Or is that just kind of- um, Do you mean like, um,
1: Do you mean like? You know, good product managers don't just rely on that and they do get out and do the other stuff? Yeah. That I, yeah, yeah. I I've, I would have to probably say no. And what I mean by that is that I think more and more we're leaning towards- it data will data tell because it, it tends to be a very it's a really thing data-driven product management there's lots of kind of big players behind this data-driven product management and you know they'll emphasize and blog and talk about you know you've got to you've got to be so everything's got to be data-driven and they're not I, i'm not saying they're wrong they're actually hmm. entirely correct and the first thing i would ask are where's the data where's the data but it's not the only like data coming from an analytics platform is not the only data you need to make your Decisions, right? And um, and like, what happens in a lot of cases? We don't like if, if we're being realistic as product management as Well, a lot of times we don't have data, even if we've got lots of reams of data coming from genes and lots of platform and lots of you know information on user engagement and adoption. A lot of times when we're trying to innovate or come, you know, again, it's that you know, we use the data to lean on rather than illuminate. Yeah. Because it, it'll kind of tell you and we pick it and our bias will go, well, that piece of data fits my kind of argument. Yeah. But what you need to do, a lot of time you need to, you need to go out and actually do proper field research in order to understand um, those um, those problems. So, or validate them and, and uh, for, for sure. So, I mean, data allows you, I mean, the data is brilliant and it allows you to have those conversations. Like you can see patterns and you can go to your customers and go, like, I'm, I'm seeing this trend you know let's explore a little bit more and that's yeah. fantastic um but i think that um i think that's a lot of people have, have kind of maybe moved towards a lot of their job being doing queries and looking at analytics as opposed to the other side of product management which is getting out and you know talking in, in, with your with your market and engaging with your stakeholders and understanding kind of those anxieties and the answers you know
0: yeah and that's i always anybody who talks to me about anything it's always that way i love when If somebody's trying to sell me something and they say, I see you do X, Y, and Z, this can fit what you've been doing. To me, that's just like, oh, perfect. I don't have to explain what I've been doing on your website for the last three hours. You know, you've come to me and said, this is the actual solution that you need for your problem. I go, thank God yeah, so, yeah no, that, that will always be my positive on that
1: yeah yeah you do need i mean uh, people do like that but i mean again i would go back to it, it's hard when you've got lots of customers in, in a big market but the like a, a great and a very interesting um kind of case study is um like red bull so um if you think of like years ago like you know, coke was always the dominant soft drink
0: mm.
1: right always the dominant soft drink so coca-cola so if you were a product manager going to kind of um going out there to you know challenge coca-cola in the market right you've got this drink that's dominated you know what would be the the factors you would look at like and you look at the data you look at well like you know if i look at the data people buy it you know the demographics and all this and you know so i'm going to challenge it maybe on price i'm going to challenge them maybe on volume i'm going to give somebody more you know value i'm going to challenge it maybe on taste Right. That would be one thing that makes up tastier and, you know, and you know, probably reams of data, you know, in in the market to tell you all of these things about, you know, the demographics and who it is and and taste tests. And, um, and Red Bull came along and made a drink that is way more expensive. Uh, Generally comes in half the size, 250 milliliter cans, as opposed to 330 and in every single taste test, right. Absolutely got annihilated it was the worst product they ever did send out on a taste test right so they sent it to the market people came back saying uh, excuse my friend saying it, it tastes like piss like that was the that was one of the quotes like it was hated and it's the most successful soft drink in the world now and there's always outliers but one of the things that they again to go back they went out if you look there's, there's case studies on hbr and all about in harvard about, uh, his review about this and um, they went out and they fundamentally understood the anxieties of the market that they were trying to serve and it was you know I don't drink it because I'm thirsty I drink it because one the energy thing like I want to be you know I want to I want to kick you know because mm. people are drinking coke because it's sugar content you know it's giving them a buzz so they're like oh well actually you know we give you a bit of a pep a bit of energy and um, they were drinking it because they wanted it being associated with a brand this exclusivity so yeah. the whole Formula One thing, the whole extreme sports, this kind of association, Coke was this kind of bland thing that everybody kind of, you know, anybody in the world rebel. So they 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 kind of they and you know if you read the articles, I'm doing better explanation than I, but it, they looked at those kind of real underlying anxieties or needs of, of, of people at once, and even if they were insecurities, they were needs and anxieties, yeah. and that's what they targeted. And the data would have never told them. The data would have told them stay away from this. So. Yeah. I suppose like, and that's not, and like, there's, there's many more, there's many more um, examples of where data was really good. Right. And I'm not yeah. saying it is excellent, but I suppose the thing is that if you want to build a really, a really good product, maybe, you know, you've got to use the data. If you want to probably build a, a, a disruptor or a change, you probably got to, you know, go against the grain slightly, yeah. you know, but you've got to do that in, in any, to be successful in anything. I think you need a well, lot. I think you definitely need to engage with your, your market. You know, Yeah, really-
0: I, I, I won't take much of your time, but you just ping something in my brain there. The, the disruptor side of things, is, is that what, you know, is that why products are actually getting the good ones that we know of, the brands that we all use in our digital wallets now, or we're mm. more used to, you know, quick, purchases using single sign-on stuff like that it, mm-hmm. they've listened to what the disruptor needed to be and have just played on that similar to red bull on that kind of being associated with a brand does that you know that seems to be yeah. more apparent in my for me and my own buying patterns
1: yeah yeah it And like you know again there's always lovely stories that, that emphasize this and what you don't hear is all the times it, it, this was a disaster like you know and yeah. people didn't disrupt and and you know but i think one of the one of the um the the key things like if you go to like single tapping your like you know if you had said like you know five ten years ago you know you're gonna be able to use your phone as your bank card and tap mm-hmm. people would have be been like no way you know there's there's inherent like you know i need to have this physical thing because a bank card and money and anyone could take your phone right and just go around spending your money on the phone so there's all you know so changing that psyche and understanding but but so if you just went on that and, did, you know, you did a bit of, you know, even if you did a bit of uh, uh, qualitative research, you probably would have come back with, you know, it's probably not much of a goer. um You know, and that's why, like, you know, that's why, you know, even in fintech, like, there's always these traditional ways of thinking. Like, and we talk about large organisations like banks, and, you know, they're not very innovative. And, you know, why did they not come up with an idea like, like Revolut And it's like, it's not that they didn't come up with an idea. It's just culturally, yeah. they weren't prepared to you know disrupt literally disrupt your own market is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And real innovators disrupt their own market. They continuously kind of disrupt themselves. They try to put themselves out of business. That's a very hard cultural thing to do. So um so you know I think and it, it's really hard thing to t- thing to do, but I think a good product management mindset is to say, how do I actually kill my own product nearly? Yeah. No, how do I how do I continue to disrupt or how do I how do I kill my business model? How do I continue? And I think that that's where you, you'll really innovate. I'm not saying you have to do it. You know, you have to continue but, to but, but, but but, but you you do it. But that way of thinking is, is, is important.
0: If you, if you look at it the other way, there's everybody else is thinking that. How can I take that yeah. market share?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. every. There's other, like I've said, this, I think I've blogged I've, I've about this before, where where like, you know, if you're not disrupting your product, someone else is trying to. Yeah. Some of our product management managers out there trying to eat into your market share. Yeah. It's trying to take a bit away. It's trying to even maybe expand the market in a way. Um, and it could be expanding the market based on your kind of dominance of it or your you know your market rate. so if you could have almost created this market and now they're kind of you know feeding on that um but sometimes it's it's and it's good to build an ecosystem don't get me wrong but it's a uh, it's also good to kind of see where you can exploit it and you can disrupt your product, for sure.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been working in an industry for nearly 15 years that's been disrupted since day one. Mm. Every, every year there's something else that's going to take over. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's how happens. happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last question I'll ask you, and it's just something that came to me there. What do you think the the next couple of years within product will be? Like, will there be a rise of, you know, a CPO type person within organizations? If there is already a good... Yeah. Now is will product outstrip the you know digital transformation type um, comments is is product going to be the new cto in essence uh
1: i don't think it'll replace a cto but i definitely see a rise in 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 the kind of emphasis on product or the, or the, the value of, of of a product management function and i say and i'm sure you know in your industry there seems to be indefinite, and definitely and it's pure anecdotal from my perspective because i don't You know, look at the data across the industry, but I see many more uh, um, organizations with um, with CPOs, or certainly product at the at the executive table. And I do probably still see a greater amount of companies, or know a greater amount of companies, that still have your chief technology officer, chief uh, HR person officer, COO, CEO, and they probably go up to director of product maybe yeah. not or head of product management. They don't. So you're not, they're not quite at that level and they still report into CTO. Um I I I am I'm hoping that changes and that's no disrespect to CTO. But like if I was a CTO I was like well, you know, I'm the technology person and not the product person. And you know, I've worked with CTOs that are brilliant product people, but they'd be the first to go, it'd be great if I just had a product person, you know, yeah. doing the product stuff and and kind of um and obviously, it, it's very—it's so closely aligned. So, right, you know, you can't get a product built without
0: yeah. having
1: good engineers, right? But likewise, it's very hard to build a good product um, if you don't have a good product management function.
0: Yeah, you know, you
1: can kind of get away with it sometimes, but 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 uh, but you can probably never build a product without having engineers, right? Yeah. But um, but it—I think that 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 I wouldn't say delineation, but those pillars um, are starting to definitely form more in organizations, and I see over the next few years definitely been a rise of the kind of product function. Um, I think product management itself uh, is becoming more disciplined, but it's still slightly fragmented into how we do it. Like there's, you, you know, you got the product manager it's management in different companies and even like companies that look similar and similar, and they'll be doing it very, very differently. And, and I'm not saying it's a one size fit all, but there's, there's very few kind of frameworks, there's very few kind of um. You know it is kind of a bit learning by doing as opposed to okay and that, that's why it's great that we've got product management masters and product management and um, uh, diplomas and all as I think they, they put a little bit of formality and structure to to the yeah. practice of product management
0: brilliant yeah Glenn, it's been a pleasure talking to you um I hope everybody <laughs> has has interesting yeah. um I put all your contact details on, on, on the on the, the post uh thanks mill for your time and really appreciate speaking with you.
1: No it was a pleasure yeah well, I really enjoyed it um yeah hope if uh hope something made sense.
0: <laughs> That's Glenn Holmes uh, senior product manager at Workday I uh, hope you enjoy some really interesting conversations there around uh, data listening empathy um bias really really interesting and I uh, hope you enjoy. Um if you find this interesting and you want to hear more please subscribe to us on YouTube or on your podcast uh, listening areas. All right talk to you soon thanks man.